friends to the tomb of ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. I am the tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Shrey Lawson and James Hickson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tomb of Ideas. I'm Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. And uh, I don't know about you, James, but I am... I don't know if it's dehydration or lack of caffeine or these comics that we're doing today. I have a headache. I licked one. (laughs) Oh, did you get a contact high? Oh, I got so much more than that. I can see forever. Yeah, no, wow. We've got two really weird comics for today. Um, We're doing Adventure Into Fear 23 with Morbius. Yeah. That is is yet another Steve Gerber, John. Stop saying uh, John. We are not in freaking Philadelphia. (laughs) No. I'm trying to fit in with our fellow Cinepunks people. (laughs) No. Although I will eat a cheesesteak. Right? Uh, Yeah, okay. Right. Oh, after looking at that comic, I really want a cheesesteak. Mmm. Yeah, with, with, like, the cheese whiz and, and the peppers and onions. And... I'll definitely take the peppers. Maybe some hot sauce, too. Mmm. Mm. Uh, and we've also got Ghost Rider number seven, with a very special guest star. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But, oh, and so, and this is what the third episode that we're releasing this March? Yep, third episode for March 2020. Right, yeah, because uh, that, that, that's how this works, right? Like, that's the, the pandemic thing, is we just keep pushing March back. Yes, right? exactly. The, okay, this, this, so it's like the like the Black Widow release date. 365 days has March, yeah. Yeah, right, so that makes that, that makes sense. Um, In fact, I, I kind of think we should have put out more episodes this week, this month. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're, we're slacking. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, but before we get into those very interesting, very weird comics, uh, we should probably take a quick detour and uh, talk a little bit about some of the goings-on in the broader Marvel world of adaptations and movies and TV stuff. And, and uh, th- there's a name for this. We, we call it something. James, what, what's this? What is this thing we do every time? We call it... Hellstrom Watch! Okay, and this is not specifically Marvel Cinematic Universe related, but uh, it was just announced right like the day before we recorded this, and San Diego Comic-Con, in their infinite wisdom, has decided that in addition to their virtual Comic-Con they're going to do this summer, so just like last year, it's not safe to, to meet in public yet, so they're doing a virtual Comic-Con, but... They're also going to do a special edition in-person event over Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving Comic-Con? Like, how many turkey cosplays are we going to get? Like, <laughs> somebody's going to be like, I'm back turkey. Oh, no, you, what you do is you take the Owlman Earth 3 costume and you modify it to look like a turkey. Oh, and the Pilgrim Batman from the Batman traveling through time as a disembodied spirit yep. thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or the Elseworlds, the the what was it? Elseworlds, Batman, the Holy Terror, where it was very like religiousy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Are you are you yeah. sure we're not doing a Batman Elseworlds podcast? <laughs> we still could. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're doing this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I've seen a bunch of creators on Twitter who are not happy about this because this is the first Thanksgiving in like two years that they could get to be with family. Yeah. Yeah. That does kind uh, of rub people the wrong way. I can see why like a yeah. Ooh. Uh, there, there was somebody, I forget which creator it was, might have been Jim Zub, but somebody was like, this is a perfect opportunity to reach out and invite all the Canadian creators, because our Thanksgiving is in a different month. <laughs> Welcome to Comic-Con, eh? <laughs> <laughs> we got a cup of Jimmy's for you. <laughs> Timmy's. <laughs> got a, got a, yes, a cup of Timmy's is very different from a cup of Jimmy's. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, so who knows what this thing's going to be. Uh, I don't think there's any details about any of it yet, besides the fact that it's going to be in the usual space in San Diego, and it's over Thanksgiving. Hall H um, lives again. Right. But but again, like, that late in the year, I, I guess, will the studios have a whole lot to hype? Will the, the comics companies have a whole lot to hype? Mm. Like, that's sort of outside their normal, like, season for that sort of thing. I guess the stuff for summer 2022. Right, right. Um, but, like, so, I mean, we'll get to this, but, like, at that point in late November, all of the Marvel stuff, except for, well, all but one of the Marvel things for uh, 2021 will be out already. So I guess they might have some stuff for next year. Um DC will probably have some stuff because they they've got all kinds of things in the works too. But but yeah, it's it's just a weird. I'm sure they're hurting for money. They've had to cancel two events in a row. Um, that can't be healthy for the organization that that arranges those conventions. Um, but it just seemed a little tone deaf to schedule their first big in person event for what is also one of the first major holidays that it will be safe to gather with family again. But Anyway, uh, looking more specifically at Marvel news, uh, we have a new announcement on, we mentioned it in, in our intro, Black Widow finally is, is coming, officially. It is going day and date, both theatrical release and Disney Plus, via a $30 premiere access fee. Probably the first one I'll pay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't do it for Milan, and I haven't done it for Rhea, but I might actually do it for um, Black Panther. Well, and it's coming out July 9th, mm-hmm. which will be late enough that, uh, depending on when you've gotten your vaccine, you might it, it might actually be safe for some people to go see it in theaters, too. And I, I'm sure that's what Disney is banking on, is that hopefully it will have, at least given the circumstances, a moderately successful theatrical release as well. I mean, there's a good chance of that. But at the same time, which one am I going to feel more comfortable doing? Fair, fair. I mean, if I was going to do it, what I would do is pick, like, a weekday for a matinee. Mm-hmm. That five, like, like, like 10.30 in the morning kind of thing. <laughs> that $5 matinee. If they're still doing $5, yeah. it has been, goddamn, Trey, it has been, like, two years since we've been to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah. I think... my Well, my last, my last movie that I saw in a theater was Birds of Prey, um, and that was in, like, mid-February of 2020. The last movie I saw in theaters was that Sasquatch movie, mm. the Yeti movie. Oh, was was it the the Leica animation one? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I remember that Stephen Fry was the bad guy. Right, right. <clears throat> I don't remember anything else. Yeah, but no, it's about as on brand as it can get for me that my last theatrical experience was a, uh, a movie from the DC Cinematic Universe. Missing Link. Uh, right, Missing Link, yeah. Hugh Jackman. I remember that one. Hugh Jackman yep. and um, other people. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Black Widow, July 9th, Moving it to that date necessitated shifting around a little bit of the other Marvel release dates. So Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings uh, has been uh, moved to September 3rd, and it is still currently planned for just theatrical. Really? Yeah, as of right now. Now, of course, that could always change. Like, they waited until the last possible minute to change their minds on Black Widow. Like, later than we thought they would, because... yeah. We were expecting something by mid-March, and, well, I guess right. this is technically mid-March. But only just. Just, yeah. Like, they waited as late as they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Shang-Chi, September 3rd, theatrical only, at least as far as we know now. Um, but what that means is that we are getting four MCU movies between July and December. Uh, so July, Black Widow, September, Shang-Chi, uh, November, Eternals... And December, Spider-Man. Many of these we have not even seen a trailer for yet. No. We have absolutely nothing on Shang-Chi except for some leaked uh, merchandise, like pictures of toy packages. Mm-hmm. Um, Eternals, I think we've seen maybe some set photos, but nothing like officially released. Um, Spider-Man, same. We've seen set photos, stuff like that, uh, but, but nothing officially confirmed. Uh, Spider-Man, at least we got, like, the, the cute little video with the, the title announcement. But Yeah. But that, that that's it. Yeah, like, they are keeping us in the dark on these movies, which is cool. I, I'm, I'm more than happy to be surprised by a movie, but I feel like, especially things like Shang-Chi and the Eternals, which are lesser-known properties, y- you gotta do something to sell people on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to issue a retraction mm-hmm. to a previous statement I made. Okay. Um, the last movie I saw in theaters in 2020 was um, Doolittle. I am so sorry. <laughs> I thought that's why we weren't going back to theaters, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just, just shut it all down. Yeah, like, just shut it all down. <laughs> Doolittle's released. The movies are canceled. <laughs> Don't watch anything past 2020. Uh, it's all downhill. All downhill. All downhill. Um, yeah, oof, oof. To the Um, point where I apparently had erased that from my memory. Wow. I mean, that's understandable. Uh, so, in addition to those four movies coming out this year, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and Captain Marvel 2 are going to film simultaneously. Um, they're both filming in May, starting at the end of May. Wait, say that Um, again? So, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania... And Captain Marvel 2 are about to start filming. Um, they are going to... Both of those films will be filming simultaneously uh, in different parts of the world uh, starting in May. So one's going to be in L.A. and I think the other's going to be in, in uh, England. <clears throat> and and again, like with the, the others, we don't have a whole lot of information on either of them. We know Kang is in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, there's also been talk that maybe Ghost will come back from the second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I would like to see Lawrence Fishburne come back as Goliath. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and even less is known about Captain Marvel 2, except we, we do know that Ms. Marvel will appear in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been suggested that uh, we might also get the MCU introduction of Blue Marvel, which is a character that I think I mentioned as as in, in one of our many incorrect speculations <laughs> regarding WandaVision. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so... So th- those are both uh, about to start filming, uh, not this coming month, but the next. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is currently filming. They are in the middle of production right now. Sam Raimi is working on that one in the UK. Yep, and, and we talked about the uh, Bruce Campbell tease. Right, right. And also, apparently, Benedict Cumberbatch's new look for Doctor Strange is so top secret he is having to do Zoom interviews with his phone pointing at the ceiling so that no one can see what he looks like. Mohawk Doctor Strange. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing probably these interviews are happening like in his trailer in between like setups. Mm-hmm. And so it could, it could be something about the costume design that's changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, know it, I know just from other photos that he has grown out his own facial hair this time because in the, the previous films he used like, like false, like, spirit gum facial hair prosthetics good ones um, too very good but apparently he did not like performing in them because he had to be careful with his facial expressions or else they would pop off oh. <laughs> um so so he grew up and and i think also it was a, a necessity because of other projects he was working on where he couldn't have facial hair mm. um whereas this time he he actually had the time and and ability to to grow his own goatee. Yeah, because so. I think he was still doing the last season of Sherlock at that point, wasn't he? He was doing Sherlock. I think that was probably around the time of Imitation Game. Okay. The uh, the Alan Turing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like he had stuff going on throughout that phase of Marvel, so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, it's also been suggested, although not confirmed, that we might finally get uh, Doctor Strange supporting character Clea. In this movie, so that was Clea. Eh, Clea, Clea. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Seriously, folks, we are now ending the Tomb of Ideas podcast. Please turn off your MP3 player at this time. <laughs> um, Take that, John Wilson and Michael Kaiser. Right, right. <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on. I know you were doing the Spider-Man No More issue, but come on. You had me scared. You dropped the episode right before midnight. I I listened to the first segment before bed. I hear we're ending the show, and I went to bed very upset. Yeah, you 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 fe- because I was going to listen to the rest of the episode the next morning. You you passed out from depression. Well, so they they tweeted out there's a very important announcement at the beginning of the episode. So I went ahead and played the opening segment to hear the important announcement. Uh, and I was upset. Uh, yeah. We were both upset. Mostly because you texted me at 1 o'clock in the morning. Right? <laughs> to tell me that the show was That's... canceled. No, no. All seriousness, I did. I was upset enough about that that I, I texted James. I messaged him. I woke him up. <laughs> and then, the next day, I listened to the rest of the episode... And the the final segment is lol. Never mind. We're gonna keep going. Which, thank you. I appreciate that. I enjoy your show very much. However, oh no, they're dead to don't, me. <laughs> they're dead to me. Don't don't like 
that was a it was a roller coaster of emotion and not like the fun kind like the kind where there's a thunderstorm and the power goes out at the top of the hill before the loop-de-loop oh god (laughs) (laughs) oh boy okay yep make ours marvel uh we love you uh, keep doing what you're doing. Exactly. Don't 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 play with our hearts. <laughs> uh, and at last, in our our MCU news, uh, there is some so there are some new casting announcements for Hulu's Modok series. So this is the one that Patton Oswalt is playing Modok, and this actually uh, it sounds pretty cool. Uh, Hit me. So Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg is playing obscure Marvel villain Pound Cakes who's one of the characters who gets her powers from the power broker. Okay. Bill Hader has been double cast as Angar the Screamer (laughs) and the leader. I remember Angar. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. That's Uh, (laughs) kind of perfect. I I could easily imagine him doing like a Venture Brothers route with it, with character. Right. He just screams everything. It's like, can you chill, man? Seriously. <laughs> like, not everything. Okay! <laughs> I can use a Coke right now! Yeah, Coke! <laughs> the drink, not the powder! You don't want to see me on Coke! And on the heroic side of things, John Hamm will, will appear as Iron Man, which I can see. He's got the voice for it. Like all ham, that sounds delicious. <laughs> And Nathan Fillion has been cast as Wonder Man. Finally! (laughs) (laughs) It took a random-ass Patton Oswalt Hulu sitcom to finally get this right. This is like, what, the second or third time he's been cast as Simon Williams? Well, he was was in the the posters uh, in uh, Guardians Volume 2, and then they they deleted all that stuff. You don't really get to yep. see any of them, but but there, there was a series of posters with his character as an actor, um, because that's yep. Wonder Man's day job. If you're not familiar with the character, is is he's an actor when he's not a superhero? Yes. And yeah, Nathan Fillion, like that has been like the Marvel role that both he and everyone around him has thought made perfect sense for years now, and and it's just never happened. Yeah, he, until he, now. Unfortunately, he's kind of aging out of it as far as physical. But yeah, he celebrated. He celebrated his fiftieth this week. Wow, he's an attractive man. I'm not afraid to say it. He's an attractive. So is John Hamm. He, he, you know, he's got that like that that square jaw, like classic adventure hero look. Somebody said it was a crime that we never got a John Hamm Superman movie, and they are not wrong there. That that's true. That's true. He he's one of a handful of people who would have been perfect had, had they been given the opportunity. Um, It's, again, one of those situations where I desperately want a machine unless we go to alternate universes just so I can see the alternate universe Superman movie where that happened. Right. It's probably the same universe where Eric Stoltz was in Back to the Future. And Tom Selleck was Indiana Jones. Right, right. It's a weird place, but I wouldn't mind visiting. Yeah, visiting. I don't want to live there. (laughs) Because there's also the zombies. Right, right, right. Uh, Just, just, Just me... R- r- darting into a burned out blockbuster. Is it this one? This one? This one? No, this one. Oh shit, they're here. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much it for MCU news. However, uh, we should probably take at least a little time uh, because since we recorded last, 
there have been three new episodes of Marvel television programming. Uh, a WandaVision finale and two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier. So we should probably do some catch-up on those. So what you're saying is we're slackers. Well, we we were recording very, very far in advance until suddenly we were not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure how that happened. Honestly. Me either. Me either. It's like... Uh, but yeah. So, um... Lord of Spartacus. So, in case... Yeah, in case you haven't watched, for some reason, the finale of WandaVision... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, or the first two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier... Yep. Which might be more likely, because those are more recent. Yeah. Um, spoiler warning now. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And okay, so, uh, so WandaVision. Yep, um, I would like to take a victory lap, because all of my WandaVision predictions came true. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, hold on, uh, making a, a note to myself here uh, to go back and re-edit all past episodes <laughs> to make our predictions correct. Correct, 100% correct. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke will not appear in the <laughs> <laughs> And it will, it will blatantly be my voice doing an imitation of your voice. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, just uh, whole sections of our uh, Disney Plus discussions are just gravely shouting the word redacted. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Um, so the One Division finale is simultaneously the most MCU thing of that whole series. There's a big ray going into the sky, so yeah. Um, well, and, and you know, it, it kind of devolves into a bunch of superhero fights. But, at the same time, it does it really well. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, the one thing I would have liked, maybe, would have been, like, one last sort of riff on TV programming or something. Like, just because in the last couple episodes, we kind of abandoned that format. Sort of by necessity. It makes sense that it abandons, because the... the the powers that, that are creating that world are starting to wane and fluctuate in that. So it makes sense that you abandon it. But I would have liked to have seen, like, maybe one more try, you know? Yeah. It's... I don't know. But what would it be? Because we had the Modern Family episode, so... So I feel like you'd have to abandon... So if I was doing it, if I was doing it, what I would do is acknowledge that at that point in the series, the perfect sitcom structure is broken and so you stop doing sitcoms with the arrival of all of the shield or sword characters rather you do a CSI style show that's weird <laughs> I, no I don't like that really no I don't like that that, that that would be my take it would be and it wouldn't last long it would only be for like a scene or two uh-huh but but like but you, you would very briefly do like CBS procedural house style it, what uh, mm, mm. okay but they didn't, no. which is fine. It, it, the way they the way they did the episode works. Um, so so we were wrong about any uh, demonic interventions. We were wrong about uh, Quicksilver. We were wrong about. <laughs> I mean, no, no. I, I predicted that Quicksilver would just be some guy. Would be Ralph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I also thought Ralph would be Mister Scratchy. Or, like, right. could sort of be Mr. Scratchy, which he wasn't. Right. Right. And apparently there was a... There was some deleted stuff, um, because they didn't have time to finish the effects, mm -hmm. where 
where the rabbit would have been like a monster. Interesting. But there, there was a subplot that was written, and, and apparently at least partially filmed, minus the effects, where uh, basically explaining what uh, our sword characters were up to during the, the middle part of the episode when they just kind of disappear for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it would have been them uh, trying to retrieve the Dark Hold um, and, and Mr. Scratchy defending it. Yeah. Although, why would they go after the Dark Hold? Considering they don't know it exists? Right. But I, I guess Monica knows that something's going on in the basement. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. That's weird. So, but it, and again, would have been nice just because those characters do basically disappear in the middle part of the episode. Uh, but it, it works without it, too. Yeah, it does. Um, I loved the face-off between the two visions where, like, the superhero fight, like, turns into a philosophical discussion. By the way, Trey, I meant to ask you, are you familiar with the quandary of the podcast of Theseus? <laughs> if you replace one podcast host <laughs> and then create replace the other podcast host, is, is it, it still, still the same podcast? Is it still the same podcast? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's a tough one. Let's find out. Um, I'll be back next week with my new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, another tangent. Um, but. Uh, Getting back to WandaVision, Scarlet Witch has a code name and a costume. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a thing. Yeah. Like it, it, it's a it, it's about time to be honest. Yeah. The problem we run into here is it's been three weeks since we watched this episode. Right. Right. So dredging up the memories. Is yeah. Tricky. It's 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 a lot of it's a lot of work to have enthusiasm for the episode. Uh, but. I, I will say this, where it leaves us sets up a whole bunch of possibilities mm-hmm. that they could follow up on in a bunch of different ways. So we've got, there is a there is a version of the Vision <laughs> flying around the MCU now who has all of his memories, but none of his emotions. The White Vision, yeah. Right, We the John Byrne-ass West Coast Avengers Vision is flying around the MCU now. They, they did that. Excuse me. They did. Um, also... We have set up for uh, either or both Secret Invasion and Captain Marvel 2 um, because Monica, at the end of the episode, uh, encounters a scroll in hiding. How in hiding is she really? I would rather say she's a scroll undercover. That, that's fair. Undercover. Um, because she's clearly affiliated with Captain Marvel and Fury. Yeah. Like, she's part of the contingent of scrolls that Fury, like, okayed to stay on Earth. Ugh, you can... It, it, it's gonna be hard to get me to care about Secret Invasion, though. So, Secret Invasion as a concept is something I like. Uh, like, the idea of it, it's very, like, pulp 50s sci-fi kind of thing in, in concept. I didn't like the execution of it very much. True, and... And that's, and that's what I'm holding on to, because it looks like... This series with, with Fury is going to borrow aspects of the concept, but not necessarily the execution. Because, to be fair, I felt the, sel- the same way about Civil War. Right. And I saw that movie in theaters three times. <laughs> right, right, right. That, that's something that the MCU can be trusted to find the good ideas in mediocre storylines and just use those good ideas. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that. Uh, we also have a, a sort of setup for Multiverse of Madness because we end 
Wanda's part of the story with her in a very, like, Raimi-esque cabin in the woods, uh, reading from the Darkhold. Yep, yep, including a Raimi-esque track shot through the cabin. Yep, so we, yes, we have a, a point-of-view tracking shot into a creepy cabin in the woods where, uh, Wanda is reading from a book of the damned. Yep. Cabin in the woods, oh yeah! Cabin in the woods, oh yeah. <laughs> Take it, Trey, I know you yeah. know the words. Actually, I never got to do that song. I'm not in that one. Oh, that's right. You're just a bit part demon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, But yeah, I mean, thinking back three weeks, I I don't know what else there is to say about WandaVision, except I desperately hope that we get more of uh, Jimmy Woo and Darcy. Mm -hmm. Because they were... They were... Such a wonderful surprise because I, I I like both of those performers and I liked both of those characters in their movies, but I wasn't really sure what would be done with them in the series, and it was it was delightful. Every scene they were in was fun. Yeah, I, I like more than one person has been like, we need a Jimmy Woo series with him just colsoning around the Marvel universe. Well, and and evidently uh, soon after the premiere of WandaVision. Um, Disney actually did have a writer pitch basically X-Files with Jimmy Woo and Darcy. Yeah. And I would watch that. I would, yeah, I would watch that. I'm not sure how that... And that's, it's something that you don't have to have tied tightly to the rest of the MCU continuity. Like, it can be more of a loose connection. And you could really do some fun, like, C&D list stuff with them, you know? Or even D-Man. You know, I was about to say uh, D-Man... Uh, if you're not familiar with D-Man, uh, the... do, do a quick uh, do a quick Google search for Marvel Comics D-Man. Um, he's the guy who dresses like Daredevil and Wolverine at the same time. Yeah, it's the biggest fault with the MCU right now is we don't have enough D-Man in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which he he was a recurring character in one of the more recent Captain America runs. It might have been the one where Sam Wilson was Cap. Okay. I know he's like, a recurring character. He was a recurring character in Grunwald's Captain America. Yeah, I think they ca- they brought him back more recently as a Cap supporting character. Which, speaking of, we should probably get into our next Disney Plus series. Yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier. We are two episodes in, so we've got the premiere plus the the second episode, and it's real good. Yep. Um, hashtag John Walker is Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just to be clear, I currently do not believe any character in this show is Mephisto. And no. I currently do not believe that Dick Van Dyke will be appearing on the show. No, no. Um, although I, I would not be terribly surprised if it turned out that Batrock was secretly Mephisto. <laughs> Mama always told me the devil was French. <laughs> um, Which, it is nice seeing Batrock again. I... I the, the Leaper is one of my favorite Captain America villains, and so having him show up occasionally is fun. Yeah, although he's a bit more murdery than I like my, my Batroc being. He, he, he's much more of an international terrorist in this one, yes. Yeah, because um, that pilot was dead. Yes. That pilot was super dead. Yes. Not the only pilot to die in that episode, actually. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the body count in this series is much higher than we're used to, maybe. More than WandaVision, definitely. Yeah. Um, and 
we, we've got a lot going on here. Uh, we've got uh, they, they've turned the villain Flag Smasher into an organization called the Flag Smashers. Yes, and they've turned the Flag Smasher himself into herself. Right. So Carl becomes Carly. Carly. Yeah. Which I'm not that upset about. No, it works. It works. And uh, and they are on the run from the power broker. Because uh, we're guessing the power broker gave them their powers, mm-hmm. and then they stole from him. So, I mean, we don't have that confirmed yet. Right, but that that's, that's the suggestion that we've been given. Yes. And also, now that the power broker is a thing, how long is it before either willingly or unwillingly uh, John Walker gets injected with a super soldier formula? Mm, that's the question there. That's the question. And is the power broker Carl Malice, who is the power broker, of course, in the Grunwald run and later uh, Marvel things, or is this a name given to somebody else? Because, you know, they talk about it's the power broker's men coming and then a bunch of agents come out. Mm-hmm. How about those cars in well, episode two? So here's the thing. I- I'm wondering if we have at least one one of the many pieces in play being a like a rogue government agency or something mm-hmm. um, because what we also have is a reminder of the history of bad behavior of the US government uh, with uh, Isaiah Bradley yep um, and he says they took his blood so are we gonna get Thaddeus Ross showing up in the show I believe so okay he, he's on the cast list on IMDB uh let's see I'll let you get spoiled there. Huh. Well, no, I, I thought that it had been announced at some point. Maybe not. Um, um, okay, if he is, he's not on the IMDb, so. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it is possible that we could get um, something, like, at, at least the power broker having gotten some of the materials from the U.S. government at some point, whether through contracting work or... or being formerly part of an agency or something. Yeah. Um, it's also MCU canon that the U.S. government did try to recreate Super Soldier Serum over and over again. Yes. Through various experiments, because that's how we got Abomination. Yes. And I wonder, you know, what went wrong between Isaiah Bradley and Abomination? Because, mm-hmm. and of course, this means we can also possibly get Nuke. Right, right. Who? Yeah, this does open the door to there being the, the cap of Vietnam. The Vietnam cap and, like, the the dark mirror, mirror cap. Can you imagine a bad guy that looks just like Chris Evans? Yeah. That would be rough. Yeah. Well, wasn't that also in, in the comics? Uh, uh, like, didn't Red Skull have, like, a cloned body of cap for a while? True. And really, it would just be knives out. <laughs> right. And then also one of the wasn't wasn't the fifties cap a villain for a while like Hatemonger or something? That's Nuke, right? No, no, no. So Nuke is the the seventies cap. The cap of the fifties was the one who fought communism. Uh, like he was technically Golden Age, but then so weird comics trivia here. Captain America debuts in Captain America Comics, which is before Marvel Comics existed. That is a timely comics thing. Okay. Um, I'm with you so end, far. They, the, the book ended, right? Yes. Uh, they brought back Captain America in the 50s. Remita. Still in the Golden Age. Um, and I think Stan Lee was still involved at that point. 
Um, and Romita. John Romita. But, but anyway, there was a, there was yes, and John Romita. Uh, it was 1950s Captain America stories. He was mostly stateside. He was fighting communists. You know, he was very Red Scare era stuff. Um, As you do. Then, jump to the Silver Age. Captain America is frozen in a block of ice and has been there since World War Two. Yep. Um, and at first, they just don't acknowledge the 50s stories at all because it predated Marvel. You know, they, they just picked and chose what from the old stuff they were going to do. But as time went on over the years, writers remembered, hey, wait a minute. There's this whole run of Captain America comics that doesn't make any sense because he's supposed to be on ice. And so uh, writers introduced another character who I believe had facial reconstructive surgery to look like Steve Rogers. Um, and he becomes the, the Captain America of the 50s. And then later... Uh, ends up becoming like a, a super like like uh, racist ultra right wing fascistic kind of villain. Yeah, um, which Jack Monroe was his Bucky, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And and uh, and he kept showing up in stuff for a while. Okay. But but yeah. So okay, all of that to say, yes, there is a history of like Captain America villains looking like Captain America. <laughs> I remember Jeff Mace was in there for a while there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Patriot. The Patriot. Patriot. Yeah. yeah, he was the original Patriot. He, 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 he's the Captain America who saw the rest of World War II. Right, right. Because the government did not acknowledge that Steve Rogers was lost. Exactly. So he, he's basically the guy who had to walk around in a costume and pretend to be, and he had a different Bucky too. Right, right. Although eventually his Bucky got injured and took a desk job, and he got. Miss America or Golden Girl? Golden Girl, yep. Not B. Arthur. Yep. Right, right. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so needless to say, the MCU has streamlined things a lot because in the MCU, the government very much acknowledged that Steve Rogers was uh, lost, presumed dead in World War II. Yes. They have a whole museum about it. Yes. Um, a museum which in this series has gotten some updates. Oh? Yeah, so go go back and, and look at some of the, the Smithsonian stuff in, in those first two episodes. Um, there is now a whole section on Bucky uh, with a title that says Winter Soldier from Friend to Foe. Um, there's also a section on a threat from within, Hydra. Um, there's an exhibit about the Sokovia Accords. And there's, an, and there's a section about Steve Rogers' time in exile after Civil War. Uh, which refers, at that point, refers to him as just the captain. I, I love all of that. Uh, but Yes. <laughs> so, question here. Does, do most people in the MCU believe that Captain America is dead? Or Steve Rogers It seems dead? like it. It seems like it. I, I, the implication is that he sacrificed himself uh, getting rid of the Infinity Stones. Because he's in the memorial reel in, in Far From Home, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, they that, believe Steve Rogers to be dead. As far as we know, he's still old man Cap. Somewhere. Somewhere. Possibly not in this timeline. Right. So, are we going to have old man Cap show up? Mmm, I doubt it. Basically, what are the chances of Chris Evans popping up in this series? It's non-zero, because never say never with the Marvel Universe. Yes. But but I think it's unlikely. Okay. Um, and the I, I say that because I think the mission statement of this series is what Sam Wilson says at his speech at the Smithsonian, where we're in a new age where we need new heroes. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I, I think this is not a series that... This is a series where looking backwards, especially looking backwards with rose-colored glasses, is bad. Yes. That you look, you look backwards to acknowledge mistakes and you look forward to make progress. Because, I mean, part of this is very much the, you know... And we should probably talk about this here. The way this show is talking about race. Absolutely. And not, not just with the reveal of Isaiah Bradley, but honestly... Every time Sam Wilson has any kind of interaction with anyone with any kind of authority. Yes. Um, the the of bank the, manager. The, the bank manager got a lot of attention in the first episode, rightfully so. Uh, and then also the, the police showing up in episode two. Yeah. I The subtle racism of, didn't you just play for LSU? Mm-hmm. And I didn't recognize you without your goggles. Right. Right. Which, woo. And, and the, the way that they can seamlessly shift gears from, like, blatant racism and microaggressions to, but can we get a selfie? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're aggressive to a black man until you need something from him. Right, right. Um, briefly, briefly going back to whether or not Steve could show up in the series, though, um, the more I think about it, the more I think absolutely not. And, and the reason for that is because obviously he's on the moon. <laughs> yes, apparently there are all kinds of conspiracy theories about where Steve Rogers really is, uh, including uh, Falcon's Air Force contact Torres sent asking if he's secretly on the moon watching over all of us, which is my headcanon for everyday life. Steve Rogers well, what, is on the moon watching what's over funny, all of us. What's funny is that in current Marvel comics, that's what Nick Fury is doing. Okay, yeah, that's right. Cause Nick Fury's because Nick Fury is the watcher now. The original Nick Fury is now the Watcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> yep. Somebody wrote yep. that and thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, we've got... Uh, uh, and we, we've mostly talked about Sam here. We've also got Bucky going through all med- all kinds of, like, guilt and PTSD and stuff. Okay. And we talked about this a little bit offline. But can we acknowledge that Bucky is not handling his past healthily? Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. Like, you are stalking the father of a person you killed. That is not right. healthy. Right. Uh, and and really, his therapist should be, like, taking a more active role in discouraging that kind of behavior. Well, if she knew about it, she would. <laughs> right. But, like, if it sounds like this therapy is as much, like role as it is like psychological you'd think they'd have people watching him yes and there's a whole thing with the therapist like the therapist apparently knows john walker and did a few missions with him right well because she's military she's a military psychiatrist yes but what missions is she doing with john walker i wonder if she i wonder if military maybe as part of the sokovia accords or something mandates psycho like psychiatric uh debriefs uh-huh um to make sure that their costumed heroes are like okay <laughs> well this is before he's even a costume hero because true true hoskins would have been his time hoskins talks about in the locker room last week we were doing missions in chile true this week this which i find it hard to believe they were not training him before this well and and I think that's meant to be exaggeration. Though. Like that's hyperbole because he also like when when Bucky asks if he ever jumped on a live grenade, mm-hmm. he says, "Yeah, four times. I have the special reinforced helmet." And so that, that suggests he's been on missions as Cap already. Yeah, and 
or at least in training as Cap prior to this. Right, right. And because I would not you know, be surprised if I would not be surprised if the military had him operating as Cap secretly, like off the books, like before they announced to the public. Like you know, you you do like a a, a, a trial run or something to make sure that it, it's okay before you announce him to the public. Yes, and like he's been practicing with that shield, so there's yes. been a lot more stuff going on. Because what, like, did they announce it was Captain America one day, and he's on Good Morning America the next day? I think the implication there is that he this is part of a uh, like at least if not week long weeks long then at least a week long like publicity tour. Yes, um, it, the, the, he's basically doing his version of the Steve Rogers USO tour in the the montage of the first Captain America movie, including the band playing the song "Man of a Plan." Yep. Yeah, I, I hope, Man. Alan Mink, hope Alan Menken got paid for that. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Disney's good about that, right? Uh, but let, let's uh, let's ask uh, the author of uh, what was it the the first Star Wars expanded universe novel, Alan Dean Foster? Is that it? Yeah, it's Alan Dean Foster. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, I will say you mentioned uh, him being good with the shield. Uh, in the fight scene in episode two, Bucky catches the shield the same way he does in uh, the Winter Soldier movie. With his real hand. With his real hand. And is not going to give it back. Like, John Walker takes it from him. Yep. Just like, I love you, Bucky. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I- I'm... So, they're going to steal the shield, right? They're going to have to at some point. I mean, they might end up having to take it off of him when he turns evil. Right, but... But they're going to steal the shield like that. That's and that's how they're going to end up running into uh, uh, Sharon, right? Yeah, probably. And of course, I don't think Zemo's going to stay in that cell that he's in in the end of oh, episode no. two. For one thing, I doubt from inside that cell he's going to have access to a purple hood. Nope, nope, nobody is not. We know that's um, happening. And so, a couple things we we mentioned Isaiah Bradley a few times already. A couple things. One. Um, in addition to Isaiah Bradley, we meet Eli. Yep. Uh, who we've talked about before. He, in the comics, goes on to become the Patriot. Uh, the, the second, I think, Patriot. Yes. Um, not, Je- not Jeff Mace. Right, right. He, he is Patriot in The Young Avengers, alongside uh, Billy and Tommy, Wanda's kids, uh, Cassie Lang, uh, Ant-Man's daughter, um... Kate Bishop, the second Hawkeye. Um, who we're getting in the Hawkeye series. Who we're getting in the Hawkeye series. Um, Iron Lad, who's incredibly complicated, but let's just leave it at the door is open for him, too. I love Iron <laughs> Lad. I love Iron Lad. Uh, and actually, also, looking forward to later volumes of Young Avengers, America Chavez is in Multiverse of Madness. Oh, wow. Is she? Mm-hmm. I think you've told me this before, and I was like, oh, wow, is she? Right, right. <laughs> I don't. Have, I don't have a connection to the character, so you know. But uh, but yeah. So so that's cool that we have Eli Bradley present and taking care of his grandpa. Yep. Yep. Um, and and very sort of defensive of his grandpa, like willing to stand up to superheroes, defensive of his grandpa. Yes. Uh, and but also just aside from that, it makes this thirty-something comic book geek's heart so happy that Carl Lumbly is playing Isaiah Bradley. Um, Carl Lumbly 
is the voice of Martian Manhunter in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Yes. Um, and um, for people my age who remember obscure superhero TV shows with random Sam Raimi connections, he was the star of Mantis. Who doesn't remember Mantis? I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure nobody but us remembers Mantis. Yeah, you might have a point there. But it was one of Sam Raimi's first uh, TV productions. And was a cool, like, 90s TV superhero show with uh, Carl Lumbly as the lead, as the title character. Hmm. So, anyway. Um, I-, I feel like we're... Oh, and we haven't even mentioned, uh, but we also have Battlestar. Yes, we do. Uh, U.S. agent's uh, partner, sidekick, whatever you want to call him, um, and I've always I've always liked Battlestar. Like he, maybe this is also because I've always sort of had a soft spot for U.S. agent. Not that I find him to be a likable character, but I appreciate the role that he plays in the Marvel universe as this like more antagonistic, less likable version of Captain. Like he's the Captain America that the government kind of wishes they had, <laughs> um, until suddenly they don't. Um, but but Battlestar is also just a fun character who initially is partnered with with Walker, but later also works with Steve. I think like I think he, he I think he is a character who has teamed up with both versions of Captain America. I believe so. Um, and is actually he he's been in the comics very recently because uh, I've been reading the U.S. Agent miniseries that Christopher Priest is writing. That uh, it's about three three issues in as we record this. And Battlestar uh, plays a, a role in that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, just I believe you. Fun, fun, cool. Like not entirely unexpected characters, but also like we're not dealing with the A list here, you know. And I like that. Yeah, I love it when we get the kind of obscure characters. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm a big fan of the Mark Grunewald run, and this is mining heavily for the Mark Grunewald run. And yes. he is not a minor character there. Not at all, no. No. Well, and, and I mean, John Walker was like a major player in Marvel Comics from the mid-80s through to like the mid to late 90s, you know? Right. And everybody's <laughs> like, who's this John Walker guy? Well, obviously you didn't start reading comics in the 1990s because <laughs> we all knew who a U.S. agent was. Like... Obviously, your first ever issue of Avengers was not issue three of the Terminatrix Imperative. Like, you obviously never played a video game where the palette swap for Cap was USA. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, same, same with the, the, the John Byrne vision. It's like, why does he look weird like that? Like, did you not play the Super Nintendo game? Like, <laughs> that is what vision looks like. We hated John Walker before it was cool. <laughs> I, I actually never hated John Walker. Not saying I liked him, but, like, I I felt sympathy for John Walker, even when he was being an asshole. Anyway, well, we seriously considered the future of the podcast for a second time this episode. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back, uh, fingers crossed, with Adventure into Fear, number 23, right after this message. Give me those Star Wars. 
part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Kitties, gather around. The man with the goodies is here. Here's a little beauty for me to Udy. Just inhale and sniff at his aeroplane glue. Oh, one whiff, man. Isn't you... it true that sniffing glue can damage your liver and kidneys? Cool it, kid. Look here. Amphetamines, bennies, dexies, meth. They say amphetamines can cause something like schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. In most cases, it does not last. Cool it, kid. Now for the barbs. Neato, nice, easy down at us. Withdrawal from barbiturates can cause convulsions. Well, you convulse yourself out of here? Grass. Anything wrong with pot? They're not sure yet. They just started studying about it. Worry wart. Dig, everybody. L-S-D. Bad trips and a chance of chromosome damage. How do you know you got Everything you got there can hurt you, can't it? Sure, kid. Why do you think they call it dope? Hey, where's everybody going? Welcome back, Tomb Believers, to our coverage of Adventure into Fear, number 23. This this issue starts our coverage of August 1974, and the story title is Alone Against Arcturus. Writer on this one is Steve Gerber, artist is P. Craig Russell, inker is Vince Coletta, letterer is Tom Orzachowski, colorist is George Russos, editor is Roy Thomas. And this summary is taken from the Marvel Fandom Wiki. After passing through the wall into the land within, Morbius awakens on a strange planet, hungering for blood. He finds a young couple and attacks the man, but is horrified to discover that he is not human. He reminisces about what has happened thus far, then attacks and drains the woman, though not enough to kill her. Traveling to a city in the distance, he is met by a mental projection of Lord I, Protentate of Arcturus. Arcturus? Arcturus. Yes, pro- pro- Potentate of Arcturus. Emerging from the shadows, Lord Eye explains that Morbius is to remain in Arcturus because the caretakers cannot be allowed to complete their work on Earth. Eye explains that the caretakers are the ancestors of the, of the Arcturans, and that the tampering that was done caused an escalating war over the genetic future of their race. This war ended in nuclear annihilation. Most survivors went mad and fled the cities, living in tribes that had forgotten how they ever came to be. I and his fellow mutants were changed by the radioactive fallout, becoming super intelligent, incredibly long-lived, and unwilling to go on living. Unwilling to believe I's statement, Morbius grabs a nearby woman and threatens to kill her. He is astounded as the Arcturians stand by silently and allow him to drain her completely. Realizing that this is the future in store for humanity, Morbius agrees that the caretakers must be destroyed. So, no offense to Steve Gerber, but what the hell? <laughs> I now refuse to believe that Steve Gerber was not on drugs. Uh, fair. I mean, th- this is a weird one. First off, remember the caretakers? Because I didn't. I did. Because remember, they, they gave Morbius <laughs> that tour. Right, but then we had the whole thing with the cat people. Be- like, I thought we were doing cat people stuff. Because Morbius was on a mission for the cat people, for the, for the caretakers... When he was kidnapped by the cat dude and taken to this alien planet, which apparently was the caretaker's original planet, which they messed up, and now they're like, we're going to do a do-over on Earth. 
So, you want me to uh, give you something that you may or may not believe? Just a piece of information here. Okay. Not counting handbook entries, the caretakers have 11 appearances in the Marvel Universe. You're right. I don't believe you. (laughs) And they are not all Morbius stories. It's like a Deadpool thing. (laughs) Um, So, evidently... They show up in some capacity. I don't know. I haven't read it. So it could be flashback, could be just weird mention or illusion. But they come up in Giant Size Werewolf number four. The heck? Um, two issues of Fantastic Four. What? And two issues of Doctor Strange. We are not becoming a Caretakers podcast. I'm just saying this now. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm covering this now. We are not becoming a Caretakers podcast. <laughs> uh, this is... Just bizarre. I so also uh, Lord I is like what the orb's cousin or something, something like that. Uh, I will state for our listeners: if you've not read this issue, the summary I read it makes a lot more sense than the actual issue itself. Yeah, no, I I read this issue twice and was not entirely sure what was going on either time. No, I, I feel like I probably should have read it as well twice. It didn't help. Um, <laughs> like the second time was not any more illuminating than the first. So there's um, some, there's like a weird 1970s sword and sorcery angle, right? Which is very Steve Gerber. Very Steve Gerber. Also, if you ever read any early D and D manuals, it's very yeah. early D and D. Yeah, but it's also like like it, it's sword and sorcery, but it's post apocalyptic sword and sorcery. Yeah, you know. Like it's that it's like that weird like sci-fi variant of sword and sorcery, um, sort almost like uh, which also a Marvel book, but sort of like something like Kill Raven. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm looking um, at Pete Craig Russell real quick. Mm, he did Kill Raven. Yeah, that that makes sense. He first became well known for his 11 issue run on Kill Raven. Well, there you go. I did not look that up, but it was my first thought when I was reading this was Kill Raven. Yep, there you go. Um, I will say, uh, I like the art in this book. Uh, the character designs, especially the, the weird mutant creatures, are awesome. Um, it suffers from Coletta, as usual. Yeah, almost certainly. Because there are every page has blank backgrounds. Yep. And I, just looking at this guy's other work, I can almost guarantee that wasn't his doing. Yeah, yeah. Even, like, back things... So there's a spread on page uh, 14 and 15... Where you get sort of the wide view of like the ruins of the the city or whatever, and like the detail work just isn't there. Nope. And again, that has to be Coletta. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I don't want this show to just become like the the rage at Vince Coletta every time podcast. But like he makes it so easy. It's it at this era, it's becoming more and more noticeable when Coletta cuts corners. Yes. Just. Mm. Um. But yeah, it's it's. We are about as far from Morbius as a horror character as we've ever been. Oh yeah, this is the weird era of Morbius. Yeah. Like, like if you put this issue side by side with an issue of Vampire Tales, like, no one would believe it was the same character from the same era. Yeah, I can see that. Like... Like, like, like if you were to take, like, whatever random issue of Vampire Tales where Morbius was, like fighting cultists in the northeastern United States or whatever. Like, that is a very different story than this. Yeah, it really is. And as- aside from, like, the two scenes where he drinks blood, like, 
his vampirism almost doesn't even come into play as, as like a part of the story. There's a scene in here where he drinks from a robot and yes. he's he's good afterwards because of the shock of it. I'm like, no, that's not how that's supposed to work. Well, not not exactly. Like he he basically says, "I've killed for nothing." Um, like he he hungers again almost immediately. But he has some of his senses back. Right, right. And then he kills Tentacle Arms Lady. Right. A woman who looks otherwise completely normal, except her arms are tentacles. Right. Who, I guess, looking at page 22, I guess she's the woman in the background on page 22. Well, so he he, he, he drains two different women. Um, the beginning of the issue, after he, he feeds on the, the robot and, and is unsuccessful, he also bites the woman who was with the android, and that was a person. Yes. Um, and that sustains him up to the end, and he doesn't kill her. And that sustains him to the end of the issue. Also, we have human android love going on here which you know could right is certainly unsustainable certainly can't sustain it, a nine issue uh, disney plus series <laughs> uh, and it's the woman at the end of the issue though who's the the tentacle lady yes who i believe is the woman in the red and blue top on page 22 at the top but she's got a completely uh, different top when she appears on the third panel or maybe not yeah i can't tell it's it's goddamn vince coletta well, that that could also be a, a who's the colorist a different on this? woman, uh, George Russo. That could also be a colorist issue. Yes, I mean it's meant to be the same top. I'm pretty sure. It seems to be yes. Except it doesn't have the plunging. The part that's red is instead a plunging neckline when it appears on panel three. Right, but also in in that top panel looks like it was drawn to not be part of the costume. Like, that looks like it was meant to be a plunging neckline all along, and maybe Coletta added a collar to the top of it? Maybe. Which, of course, Morbius grabs the blonde lady, the pretty bl- the pretty blonde girl, to feed <laughs> and not on. not any of the weird alien mutants. <laughs> exactly, because um, his favorite fruit food is pretty blondes. <laughs> Basically. Basically. Uh, but, one thing that, that we can look forward to is uh next issue blade the vampire slayer how <laughs> how <laughs> how is blade ending up on this weird gosh darn world no I th- morbius is going back to earth to, to take out the caretakers uh. <laughs> so that earth will not suffer the fate of this world yes i get it i get but like I know late so because so like I know later that Morbius ends up again on this world. Yes, I I just I want the scene where Blade gets in Morbius's way and Morbius is like, no, you don't understand, and then proceeds to give all of the exposition <laughs> of the caretakers and the alien world and the cat people, and Blade is like, I have no idea what you just said, but you're a vampire and I'm gonna kill you now. Yes, like it does that that does not matter to me. <laughs> None of what you said makes sense. Oh, man. It's like, did you bite someone who was high? Like, is that what happened? <laughs> that was the Dracula once. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, you, apparently they had the really strong stuff for you. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Yeah. But uh, this is such a weird... And, and it's so much exposition. Like, almost all of the story is caption boxes and, and narration. 
Yeah. Which is very Gerber. It, it's very... It, it desperately wants to be a prose story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird. But, again, Coletta inking aside, like, the visuals are weird and cool. It's definitely Steve Gerber, like, having fun. And, and apparently just not having a whole lot of supervision in editorial. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that this is the point where because of the way editors being shuffled around at Marvel, uh, he had no supervision. That that checks out. <laughs> yes. Because that's also how we get the return of Howard the Duck. Right, right. Because nobody's paying attention. Exactly. Because somebody... Well, okay, wait, no. We got Howard the Duck in the first place because no one's paying attention. Right. And then someone paid attention and they're like, get rid of this duck. So Howard falls off a cliff, presumably to his death. Right. But then, I guess it's because of reader outcry that we... He's been mentioned in the letters pages over and over again. Okay. We must have the return of Howard the Duck. Okay. Um, and, yeah, uh, and I I didn't even look at the letters page for this issue. Um, so, just skimming to see if there's anything interesting. Um, one writer says that this is Steve Gerber's best work outside of Man-Thing. Um, that they're loving the combination of, like, mystical and sci-fi stories. Um... Looks like currently the plan is for Craig Russell to remain on the book for a while. Not there's a whole lot of issues left, but, you know. Uh, One uh, submitter uh, says that he would like to see more Marvel superstars show up with Morbius. Like maybe Ghost Rider, Silver Surfer, or Hawkeye. (laughs) I mean... I love Hawkeye, so... (laughs) Which... The, the reply begins, Hawkeye, double question mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> Next issue, though, does feature an appearance by the vampire slayer called Blade, who appeared initially in Tomb of Dracula. And Morbius himself recently guest starred in our giant-sized Spidey team-up book. He did. Acting completely out of character. Right. We're a little wary of superhero guest shots in fear at this point. But if enough of you want them, we'll try to oblige. Opinions, people? I mean, you know we love crossovers on this show. We love yeah. them. Yep. When they make sense. Unlike um, the giant-sized Spider-Man issue. Or right. giant-sized superheroes issue. Giant-sized superheroes, yeah. Um, now, the, the box hyping the next issue on the letters page actually gives us a bit of a summary. Back on Earth, Morbius finds his back against the wall as he comes face-to-face with that wielder of wooden knives, the fearless vampire killer called Blade. Plus, a new and uns- unsuspected revelation about the caretakers. Plus, the mystic menace one? of Daemond. <laughs> Do we gotta say more? I mean, they will, and... Well, and actually you might, because I don't know how we get from here to there. That does not make sense. <laughs> Obviously, these weird freakos send him back to Earth... To take on the caretakers. Right. right and right. and Blade and, is there. Yeah. And Daemond shows up, which Again. is surprising because I thought Daemond had just got cast it aside. Right. Wasn't he the one who summoned the cat person to begin with? Yes. Yeah. And kills the rabbi. Yeah. Not cool. Um one last letter page thing. Uh the value stamp for this issue is uh Baron Sima. Oh nice. Yep. Nice. As opposed to the value stamp for the Ghost Rider issue, which we'll get to in a second. Right. Uh, right. We're going to take a quick break, 
and we'll be right back with Ghost Rider number seven right after this message. You are receiving a transmission from the Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. It's the Evil Knievel Show featuring the superstar of stunts. Here's Evil Knievel's scramble band to start the show. And ripping up for action, here's our star. What a jump! Evil's riding the amazing stunt cycle. That gyro power sends him over 100 feet at top speed. Evil super sprint car with built-in drag chute to slow him down. What a hope! And now, the Sky Cycle. That daredevil death-defying supersonic sky plane on wheels. And here he is on the super cool chopper bike. With the power that can really rip. He's sensational. He's evil and evil. He's a knockout. He's ideal. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. Our second and final issue today is Ghost Rider number seven and loses his own soul. Cover date is August 1974. The writer is Joe Orlando. The artist is Jim Mooney. Inks are by Jake Abel. Letterer is Alan Kupperberg. Colorist is Phil Rachelson. And the cover artists are John Romita and Gaspar Saladino. The editor, as always, is Roy Thomas. Beginning more or less where the previous issue ended, Taurus of the Zodiac has busted out of the First Federal Bank on his high-tech motorcycle, only to be confronted by the Ghost Rider. Before the fight can escalate, Taurus veers onto the sidewalk, using the crowd to prevent anyone from following. As he rides away, Taurus muses that with the documents he's stolen, he has ensured that Cornelius Van Lunt, who led the Zodiac as Taurus and the villain team's previous appearances, will spend his life in prison. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the Stuntmaster is doing an autograph signing, complaining that his producers won't let him do his own stunts anymore, when Taurus rides by with Ghost Rider following close behind. Stuntmaster recalls the excitement he felt when he teamed up with Daredevil to clear his own name, and decides to abandon the autograph signing and join the fray. Mid-chase, Ghost Rider gives us a quick recap of previous issues. That a DA tried to coerce Johnny into working for him, only for the DA's son to snap and kidnap Roxanne primarily due to PTSD from a past encounter with the Zodiac. After saving Roxy, Ghost Rider promised that he would take down the Zodiac himself. Just then, the Stuntmaster introduces himself 
and the two agree to team up to defeat Taurus. They catch up to the bovine baddie, and very quickly, Taurus is knocked from his bike. Suddenly, he transforms into Scorpio, and instantly defeats both heroes with the power of the Zodiac Key. Our heroes awaken in chains, being watched by Aquarius, who reveals that he is actually all of the villains who have appeared in this story, a one-man Zodiac. Also in the room is the demon, who previously served roulette in human form of Slifer. Before ending the heroes permanently, the new Zodiac decides to do a bit of classic villain monologuing and explain what his whole deal is. The original Zodiac team fell apart through dissension, and Van Lunt lured his dissenters, along with the Avengers, into a death trap. The Avengers saved the day, and the Zodiac briefly reunited, but were unable to defeat the Avengers again. The Zodiac were all sentenced to life in prison, but Van Lunt prepared an appeal just for himself. Aquarius, furious at Van Lunt for abandoning him, and suffering from a rare lung condition made worse by the space trap, made a deal with the demon that in exchange for his soul, he would have the powers of the combined Zodiac for the last year of his life. Suddenly, Ghost Rider interrupts the villain by freeing Stuntmaster, and the fight resumes. Stuntmaster is injured in the fray, and Ghost Rider goes off alone against the two villains. He asks a woman in a suspicious-looking mask if she has seen Aquarius or the demon, and just as he gets on Stuntmaster's motorcycle, Ghost Rider remembers that one of the original Zodiac members was a woman in a suspicious-looking mask. She reveals herself to be the one-man Zodiac and transforms back into Taurus. They fight again along the docks and tumble into the water, giving Zodiac the advantage thanks to the powers of Pisces. Ghost Rider uses his flames to superheat the water, forcing the villain back to land and into his Aquarius form. Just then, the demon returns to claim Aquarius's soul. Aquarius insists that it's only been weeks, not the year he was promised, but the demon reveals that his deal was not actually for a calendar year. Rather, because each member of the Zodiac represents part of the year, Aquarius's time was used up once he had transformed into each member of the Zodiac at least once. In a flash of light, they both disappear. Next issue, Satan himself. Ah, Satan for dinner again. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is a more conventional superhero story than the Morbius book. Which is interesting because Josh Blaze, he's just saying he's not going to become a superhero. He's not going to become a superhero. I'm not a superhero. And he's getting pulled for, further and further into this superhero adventure. Yes, yes. To the point where he's fighting an Avenger villain. Yes. Um, it's still a weird one, though. Like, even as a conventional superhero story, just in terms of structure, in terms of story, this is an odd, odd story. And, of course, because it's a Ghost Rider story, there has to be a demon in there somewhere. Right, right. So we really get one shoehorned in here. Right. And, and quasi-related, because the roulette stuff wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. It, but for my own part, I kind of erased most of it from my memory already. Yeah, no, I don't remember any of what happened in that story. Like, I remember okay. The name, I remember the name Slifer. I didn't. <laughs> I remember Go Roulette was that goofy-looking dude in the ring in the sky. Yes, yes. And not Thanos. So I'm, I'm just running down the Marvel Universe connections here, and we've got, in addition to the references to past Ghost Rider issues, we've got Team Up number 15 that gets referenced. We've got 
Daredevil 58, 64, and 67. We've got uh, Avengers 120 to 122. Uh, is that all? That might be all. Um, uh, let's see. That's a flashback to Ghost Rider number five. Um, yeah, I think that's all. Yeah. This takes place firmly within the Marvel Universe. Yes. In that we have flashbacks featuring all of the Avengers at the time. And this is not a bad Avengers lineup. You got Iron Man in there, you got Vision, you got, well, you got Mantis. Um, <laughs> who was not nearly as cool yet as Guardians of the Galaxy makes her. Right, right. Or or even as as interesting as she becomes in the later sort of cosmic Marvel stuff. Like Annihilation era. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, fair. Because... I, I thought you meant the movie. Well, yeah, that too. But yeah, like, man, in those early Avengers issues, I mean, she's meant to be a attractive lady who the guys lust over. And that's really all she's there for. Yeah. Yeah. But aside from Mantis, like, this is, this is a fairly, like, recognizable, like, MCU-style Avengers lineup. Yes. I mean, it, it's it's really weird that, like, half of this issue is taken up with Avengers flashbacks, though. It is. Uh, Avengers flashbacks, um, we've got a third of a page on page six. Like, one third of the page is a Daredevil flashback. Yeah. Um, and another panel on that same page is devoted to uh, Stuntmaster remembering, for some reason, Marvel team-up number 15. Yes. Which threw me for a loop, because I'm like, wait, do we miss a team of... No, that, wow. That was long ago. It was. And yet, uh, this is taking place no more than a couple days after the roulette story in Ghost Rider 5. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've got... Speaking of Stuntmaster, um, this is the team up I think everybody demanded. Right, right. Uh, this is our, our very special guest star. It is everyone's favorite motorcycle anti-hero slash villain the stuntmaster <laughs> a character so famous that if you click on his wikipedia page it takes you to an alphabetical listing of all of daredevil's villains <laughs> who ghost rider like has zero hesitation allowing to team up with him right which i mean ghost rider is it's not even like yes come along you will be helpful it's more like eh, whatever do what you're gonna do yeah it's like <laughs> okay sure why not yeah, yeah. And, and good thing he does, because for some reason, at the end of the issue, Ghost Rider has to steal Stuntmaster's motorcycle. Okay. Um, I have a I have an issue with this. Me too. Because part of the whole reason we have the Hellfire motorcycle is he's supposed to just be able to conjure it, it. conjure it into being. Right. And the reason it's not there, he says, is because the villain could not have brought it along because no one can touch it but Ghost Rider. But the other part of it, the other part of the nobody can touch it but Ghost Rider thing is that it's magic and he can just make it appear. So why doesn't he just conjure one again? Like, for those of you... Is there still just a, like, like, is there still a Hellfire motorcycle just sitting in the middle of the city? Just unattended? Or is it like a concentration spell in D&D? Does it disappear when you're unconscious? Right. In which case he should just reconjure it. Exactly. Like... Although, it would be a bit funny if they just remain where they are. So there's just like a Hellfire <laughs> motorcycle that nobody can move, nobody can touch. <laughs> so Cities he's just, all over America yeah, are littered with Hellfire just, motorcycles. Yes. 
He just con- he never goes back for it. No, he just conjures another one. <laughs> <laughs> Today, that, that, that to me, that was a weird moment for me. Yeah, the, the stealing the because also nothing comes of it. Like he uses the the jet rockets for that one attack, and then yes. he's off the motorcycle again. Yes, like is it supposed to be a fun little thing where like he's used they're switching vehicles and he's now using Stuntmaster's bike. Okay, he used some jets on it. I mean, he could have done the same thing with some overturned garbage making a ramp. Right. So here's the thing. The the previous issue made such a big deal out of Taurus having the, like, souped-up, gadget-filled motorcycle. Yes. It would have been cool to actually see gadget bike versus gadget bike. Yes. But we don't really get that fight, even though that's the thing that makes the most sense from this team-up. Like... What they're trying to, what it feels like they're trying to do here is like if Ghost Rider teamed up with Batman and Ghost Rider had to drive the Batmobile and the Batmobile got a Ghost Rider makeover, which all right. of a sudden I really want to see. But. Yes. I mean, isn't that basically the, the version of Ghost Rider that drives like the lowrider car? No. Okay. No, this would be different. Okay. Because for one thing, I imagine this happening in the 90s. Fair. So, <laughs> so you're imagining like the Batman the Animated Series Batmobile. But with, like, flames on the sides. I'm imagining something like a demonic version of the Jerry Bruckheimer. Not Sorry, the, the, sorry a demonic version of the Joel Schumacher. Okay. With, like, the spinning turbine in the middle and stuff? Yes. Which, again, I want to see. Now. Um. But it just comes across as lame. Yeah. Like, really, for all the height of the Stuntmaster team-up... Stuntmaster just gets cast aside midway through the issue. Yes. He he uh, injures his ribs, and basically, he <laughs> the way a superhero story would normally work is he the injured hero would say, go on without me, save the day. And the other hero would say, no, we leave no man behind, and, like, helps him out, you know? Yes. And instead, instead, <laughs> Stuntmaster says... Go on, save the day, leave me behind. And Ghost Rider says, okay, by the way, borrowing your bike. Borrowing. Um, <laughs> so, I find it a bit funny. Uh, <laughs> there's a scene on page 23 where Stuntmaster knocks out Aquarius, and it's and then Aquarius starts transforming again, and it's like, quite right, you can defeat disease-ravaged Aquarius. But let's see how you fare against cancer. <laughs> Which, I mean... It should not be as funny as it is. But... I'm pretty sure you're not faring that well against cancer, Aquarius. Right, right. <laughs> Mysterious lung ailment. Well, we all know what that is. Right. Like, he's got smoker lung. Let's be honest here. That, that seems to be the implication, yeah. Yeah. And um, also... Also, um, it's really unfortunate. Also, there's a really great, like, splash page in the middle of this issue that is totally undermined by an unnecessarily humorous caption box. Oh, the, the, you mean the big splash page of uh, that I put to the Twitter page? <laughs> of Probably. Ghost Rider and Stuntmaster? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, that's actually a really cool page, like, pinup style page. And that caption is so out of place. Yes. Special note from Ryder. When you ask a Jim Mooney, when you ask that Jim Mooney for a dramatic shot, you don't get chicken feed. Wow, Tony. Womp, 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 womp. Chicken feed. 
It doesn't help that Stuntmaster's mask makes it look like he has a beak. It, this is true. Like, I think it's supposed to be the same starburst that's on the front of his bike. Yes. But it, it looks like the, the like a, a bird's face. Yes. To the point where I'm going to call this the team-up of Ghost Rider and Chicken Rider. <laughs> which is not an abandoned Common Rider concept. Right. Um, also, I guess this book is just assuming that we've read way more Zodiac appearances than I actually have. <laughs> because he turns into Scorpio and uses this Zodiac key to, to knock them out instantly. And the only explanation for how that happens is Stuntmaster says, Look out, GR. He's got the Zodiac key. Daredevil once warned me. Arg! Fade out. So, I still do not know what the Zodiac key is, why it knocked them out, why Daredevil knows what it is, or why it would have come up in conversation with Stuntmaster. Yeah. You want to talk about lame weapons I've gone up against? There's this one guy who had a Zodiac key. <laughs> <laughs> but even he was cooler than your motorcycle. Wow. Wow. Anyway, Chicken Rider, let's go get a beer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, if ever there was a place for like a, a continuity caption or flashback, that would be it. Which because we- there is... There is, which we get all throughout this issue, but yes. not here when it would have helped. So we should probably talk about the fact that both issues we cover this episode seem to be either exposition, which is the case in the Morbius story, or flashback, which is the case with this Ghost Rider story. Right, right. Exposition. Or, or flashback as exposition. Yes. Which is, which is what the villain's monologue is in the second half of the Ghost Rider book. Yes. Like... The majority of this Ghost Rider issue is a flashback to Avengers episode issues or Daredevil episode uh, issues. Daredevil or, or previous Ghost Rider stuff. Yes. Which, guess what? We're going to fight Satan again. Yep, yep. Must be one, Tuesday. One, yep. Uh, sort of infringing on, on Damon Hellstrom's gimmick there, but whatever. Yeah. It's just... Ghost Rider's most desperate challenge. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Since the last time he fought Satan. Right. Uh, which I think was when he teamed up with Hellstrom. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, letters page on this one is kind of, like, nothing. <laughs> There's not really anything interesting here. No. Um, but there is a, a new value stamp, different from the other issue. And it's Brother Voodoo! Yay! We like Brother Voodoo. Yeah, we do. We really like Brother Voodoo. I wish he would team up with Ghost Rider instead of Stuntmaster. I mean, that'd be interesting. Right, I'm like, right. Although, to be fair, neither of them have showed up in MCU yet. So... This is true. How important could they be? This is true. Uh, but they've both increased in importance in Marvel Comics since the era that we're reading. Has Stuntmaster? Oh, no, 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 no. I thought we meant Ghost Rider. <laughs> Stunt, Stuntmaster did have a contemporary appearance uh, in, I think, an issue of Daredevil. Like the, I think it was maybe the Chip Zdarsky Daredevil. Mm-hmm. It was either Zadarsky or Wade. It was one of the recent runs. Okay. Uh, so he did show up again. <laughs> he has not been forgotten. Although we'll probably forget about him right after we're doing this issue. Yeah, no, that's... It, 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 they're fine. Both this and Morbius, I think we'll agree, are, are fine, but not especially memorable. No. Uh, in fact, what were we talking about? Right, right. It's kind of like those aliens from Doctor Who, where as soon as you look away from them, you forget they exist. Anyway, I think that means we've come to an end of another episode of Tomb of Ideas. That's right. 
You can always reach out to us at our email address. It's tombofideas at gmail.com. Our Twitter, at tombofideas. Or, you know, find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash tombofideas. That's right. And of course... Tomb of Ideas is a proud member of the Cinepunks podcasting group. That means that you'll find all of our posts and our entire back catalog on Cinepunks.com. That's Cinepunks with an X. And you'll also find other great shows like Black Sun Dispatches, Horror Business, uh, Weird Obscure, Possibly Unsafe, and a whole lot more, in addition to great articles about movies, TV, music, and other pop culture. So check out Cinepunks.com for everything we do and a bunch of other great stuff, too. Yep. Um, so what are we doing next time? Next time. We've got a big one. Oh, uh, that's... <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. It's too easy. It's too easy, and I refuse to participate. Because we have giant-sized Man-Thing number one. That's right. The myth. The legend. Giant-sized Man-Thing number one. And we'll also be talking about... And you get a double dose of Man-Thing here because we're also talking about Man-Thing number eight. That's right. And anything I say will just be easily twisted out of original context. So I'm just not going to. That's it. Like, I, I'm just going to... I, I am going to make this commitment now that I will refuse to participate in any Man-Thing-related innuendo from this point forward. That's very big of you, Trey. That's what she said. <laughs> Good night. Bye. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tumblers Excelsior. <laughs>